and love is all that I can give to you. Love is more than just a game for two. Two in love can make it. Take my heart and please don't break it. Love was made for me and you. Welcome to Love Savers Radio, ministering the blessings of covenant. This is Walter and Sandy Fox from Love Savers Ministry, called by God to minister the blessings of the marriage covenant by enriching, encouraging, strengthening, and praying for the healing of marriages, especially marriages in crisis. Hi, Love Savers listeners. This is Keith Davis, the proprietor of the Golden Pear Cafes. As I enter my 30th year of marriage, I encourage you to seek the Lord's guidance and wisdom for your marriage, for He is the one who can help you day by day in building a lifetime of peace, joy, fond memories, and a beautiful family. When Anne walked into the Golden Pear to apply for a job as Golden Pear's first pastry chef, I had no idea that God had brought my future wife and mother of our three children literally to my front door. But that is exactly what he did. And although we have had our challenges and ups and downs, God has richly blessed our marriage and he gets the glory for our 30 years together. So I encourage you to seek God's will and use Love Savers as a resource to improve and bless your marriage. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Mark chapter 10, verse 9. Today's guest author is Trisha Lott Williford. She wrote the book, Just You Wait. Trisha says everybody waits. We wait for a spouse, wait for a baby, wait on our children, and wait for our parents. We wait for clarity and direction. We wait on a job, a promotion, a new direction. We wait for hope, for healing, and for miracles. We wait on God. And when we misunderstand what waiting is about, we can get confused about what God is up to. Waiting is one of God's favorite tools. Sandy talks with Trisha today about her book, Just You Wait, Patience, Contentment, and Hope for the Everyday. Let's listen. Hi, Trisha. Hello, Sandy. Good to hear your voice. <laughs> thank you. It's good to hear yours, too. Well, you know, thank you. We're going to discuss your book, Just You Wait, Patience, Contentment, and Hope for the Everyday. And, you know, it's been said, waiting is one of the great arts. And a top psychologist says if you wait just five years through a troubled marriage, the whole thing can turn around. What is your hope for this book, Just You Wait? Who are you hoping will read this book? Well, Sandy, one of the things that I've discovered in my walks through life and many relationships with people is that waiting is something that we all have to experience. Everybody's waiting for something whether it's something small or something really big during a longer season of life, we're all waiting for something. And so I hope that as people read this book, um, I hope that they will find strategies for waiting and that they will discover that waiting does not have to be passive, that God is with us in the waiting and that he's doing things while we wait. And that we can be active in our waiting, and there's ways that we can learn to wait well. 
the subtitle of your book is Patience, Contentment, and Hope for the Everyday. Do you feel that these things are in short supply in our culture? Oh, I sure do. I mean, personally in my life, yes, there's so many things that come to me quickly, either with an internet search or on the microwave or, you know, through the drive-thru window. There are things that can be mine very quickly. And so when I come across something that I have to wait a few minutes for, um, it can feel really frustrating, especially when those are bigger things that last longer and the wait is much longer. Yeah, I think we're definitely in short supply. We're an instant society and we're used to getting things right away. And sometimes the best things are worth waiting for. That's right. What prompted you to want to write on this topic? Was there a particular season of your life that served as inspiration for this book? Yes. I was widowed very suddenly about nine years ago now. And um, in that season, um, I I spent a lot of time waiting. I was I felt like I was waiting for the depression to lift. I was waiting for the sun to shine in my soul. I was waiting um, to not struggle with anxiety anymore. Um, I was waiting to meet someone new who would parent me with my two little boys. They were only five and three years old when they lost their dad, and so I was waiting and waiting and waiting and. Um, yes, yeah, so a lot comes from that, from that experience of waiting, of waiting for big things and waiting for small things. What is the most important lesson you've learned from having to wait for something? The most important lesson I've learned from having to wait for something is that God is in the waiting. And I've learned that that is one of his very best tools for getting our attention. Whether it's in small moments when we're just waiting in line or whether we're in longer seasons of waiting for a diagnosis or waiting for healing or waiting for an unanswered prayer, waiting for God to say yes, he is, he's in the details and he's in that wait. And there are times when he really is just working to get our attention. And they're long before... Um, Long before a seed pops through the ground and we begin to see the flowers bloom, so much has been happening underground. And there's so many parallels with that, that there are many things that are happening for us that we can't see yet. And we tend to think that God is absent, but the truth is he's at work. He's hard at work for us and with us. Yes. You reference waiting well. What does that look like? Waiting well can be about stretching the muscle of patience. And um, sometimes we can really learn to do that in practical ways by um, choosing, for example, one of the ways that I have learned to wait well is my son taught me what he plays um, called the noticing game. And whenever he's waiting or feeling bored, he looks around and looks for something new to see, looks for something new to notice. And I've discovered that while he does that on a car ride or in the grocery store at a time when he is, you know, bored and tired of waiting on me to finish whatever I'm doing, um, it's a really healthy practice to be able to, to notice. Notice people. Notice the lives that are happening around you. Notice other things that are happening. The world is a really big place, and there are other things happening that are not about you. And it's important to notice those and to lift our eyes off of ourselves and to look up and see. And I think another way to wait well um, 
we can write well with a pen and a page to be able to write about the things that we're waiting for to identify those. To write down to um, Mark Batterson wrote this great book called um, Draw the Circle. And it's about praying for things and drawing a circle around them. And praying for impossible things while you're waiting and drawing this circle again and again and again. Yeah, we just did an interview on that book, Praying Circles Around Your Marriage. Right. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And when you do that, when you do that, when you can see it on the page and you can see those circles, the, the band grows bigger. And it grows wider, and it becomes this testament of your loyalty and your faithfulness to your marriage. Yeah, and it's and good so that you brought up for. yeah that the fact of not always focusing on yourself but reaching outwards. Because I heard it once said, if you say, I, 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 the Holy Spirit says, bye, bye, bye. <laughs> not that he oh, grieves you totally, but I'm right. sure, right, he grieves you. I mean, we grieve that's him, good. right. Why yes, do you think yes. Christian women need to hear this message about the discipline of waiting? Because I think, as, as I mentioned, it's one of God's most important tools. And I think that um, it's been said that there is no grace in hurrying. And when we slow down, we encounter so much more about ourselves. And we can become better, stronger, um, more mature women. And um, when we learn to wait well, because it really is something that we do on a daily basis. And it can become the the sweetest moments of our day when we learn to do it well. That's a, a sweet way of, of describing it, right. What do people often miss in the process of waiting, do you think? I think that people miss, um, I think that they can miss the becoming. There's something that's becoming in that process of waiting. And sometimes it's, it's, sometimes it's indeed what you're waiting for. There's something, the details are falling into place and you just have to wait for it to happen. But sometimes it's a change in our spirit and sometimes it's a shift in our perspective and it's a surrendering and a relinquishing and us discovering that, you know, I thought I really needed that and it's actually, (coughs) excuse me, I thought I needed that. But it turns out that it's just something that I thought I needed. It just turns out that I don't need that. And so often we can we can miss the becoming when we're in a hurry. We can miss the ways that we're changing and growing. Yes. You also encourage women to believe that God is for them and not working against them but on their behalf, even when evidence of that is hard to find. Why do you think women need this message? Because I think that's where the heart of it is. I think that's the truth of everything, that believing that God is for you can change everything. Just like when we're, if you're stuck in traffic and you begin to think that all the people that are sharing this road with you are out to get you and they're trying to get in your way and they're trying to make this take longer and they're trying to make this worse for you, it just becomes so maddening. But when you look around you and begin to think, you know what, we're all just trying to get where we're going. We're all frustrated. Or, you know, we're, we're all just doing our best. Nobody's trying to make anything harder on anybody else. We're all just doing our best. Brene Brown talks about that, about believing that everybody's just doing their best. Well, when we can believe that about a sovereign God and believe that he is for us, 
that can change your entire perspective about life to believe, you know what? I can't see what he's doing, but I'm going to trust his heart. And I'm going to trust his love and trust the sweetness of who I know him to be, that he is in this and he is for me. And so whatever I am waiting for will be worth it. Yeah, my husband often will say to me, sometimes if I share a worry, well, hasn't the Lord really kept us all this time and been there for us and never let us down all this time? And it Mm -hmm. really is such a comfort to me thinking of that, Mm -hmm. you know, that is so true. Yeah. You say that waiting is an opportunity to study and prepare, to learn and practice. Can you unpack this idea for us? I can. So, Sandy, there are times in our lives when we can have, like, a really big idea or a big dream that we're waiting to get started on. Or maybe we're waiting for a promotion on a job. Or maybe we're waiting for, you know, a ministry that we'd like to begin. Or just something that we're really excited to get started on. And you kind of just can feel like you're sitting on go. You're just stuck in neutral. And you're waiting for someone to give you permission to do this. Or waiting for the time to be right. Or waiting for, you know, just the season to lift. for the That'll take the speed bumps out of the way. And in the meantime, I love how Abraham Lincoln said, I will study and I will prepare. And when my time comes, I will be ready. And we can do that now. Whatever you are waiting for, if you're waiting for something to begin, you can use this time to sharpen yourself, to read books, to listen to podcasts, to listen to radio interviews, to take a class, to find a mentor, to meet with someone so that when your time comes and when you have this opportunity you've been waiting for, you can burst forth and say, I am ready. I am ready. Just you wait. I've been waiting for this moment. Here I am. Yeah. You advise your readers to identify and put into words their deep aches or longings. What's the importance of realizing these things? How can this help in our marriages and otherwise? Well, sometimes if we don't identify the things that we're really waiting for, it can kind of grow into this pervasive, low-grade anchor that just spills into every part of us. And we might be waiting for something else, but we find ourselves getting frustrated that nobody took out the trash. When really, it's not that big of a deal, the trash situation. But we're frustrated by other things. And so we can displace our anger. And so when we can identify what those things are, first of all, not only does it help us to put boundaries around that and to realize, here's what I'm waiting for and here's how I feel about it. But it also helps us to pray more fervently, to ask God specifically for it, and then also to praise Him when He gives us the answer that we're waiting for. Yeah, how has having to wait for something impacted your view of God and His goodness in our lives? Can you say that one again, Sandy? How has having to wait for something impacted your view of God and His goodness in our lives? Well, um... I mentioned earlier that I have I lost my first husband nine years ago, and he was just sick for 12 hours and got very, very sick, um, and then died very suddenly the next day. And so I really battled for a long time through depression and the healing from that trauma and of being a single mom and a widow of two little tiny guys. Um, and I prayed, my sons and I prayed together for this new dad. And I really, um, 
they wanted to know the difference between being lonely and being alone because they feel different. Alone is not a bad thing. Lonely can be very depleting, but alone can be a very good thing. And I wanted to master the ability of being alone so that I knew that when I married someone, when I when I found the right person to do my life with, I would not be asking him to fill a void in my life. I wanted that to be healed. I didn't want to come. I didn't want to enter a relationship from an unhealthy place. And when Peter and I finally found each other about four years ago now, um, to look back as we looked at our timelines of how we had both prayed for each other and to see how God had woven each of those timelines to overlap and the things that he and I were working through on our, in our own separate lives, to realize he had wanted to be with me, I had wanted to be with him, but the timing was not right until the Lord said yes. And so as I looked back on that timeline to see how he had been working and, and, and fighting for us, and there are many things like that in my life that I can look back on and think, you know what, just like you said in the conversations with your husband, you know what, the Lord has been faithful. He has been faithful. He shows up every time. Yeah, how do you think God uses waiting to refine us? Well, very often, something that we feel like we need, we're going to, you know, we can be just like petulant children that um, we can become demanding and we can become very spoiled. And I want this and I want it now. And there are times in the waiting that God allows us to see what we really want, to refine what we're actually waiting for, to change that wish list or to change our hearts as we receive. And it makes us stronger, better people as we become aware of how badly we truly want something or whether it was a fleeting wish or um, to also really, as I mentioned before, lean into that becoming of, of who we are becoming in that time and lean into the noticing of who is God in this season of waiting. You encourage your readers to have the hard conversations with God with the assurance that he is big enough to receive them. Can you help us understand that idea? Yes. So I have spent a lot of time in the book of Psalms. It's my favorite book of the Bible because the psalmists are so honest with the Lord. And in, in, in those more than 100 books or chapters in that, in that book of the Bible, every emotion is covered, both the good ones of praise and victory and gratitude and joy and thankfulness. Um, but also the hard ones of anger and resentment and impatience and frustration and jealousy. And what I enjoy the most about that is the example that David and his friends set for us by being able to say, you know what, all of this is okay. I'm allowed to say these things before a sovereign God. And what, sometimes the first piece was to be able to say, this is how I feel about this. Instead of saying how I should feel, this is how I do feel about this. And there are some psalms where we can see that, that David was able to bring healing and, and find his own peace simply by navigating this path and beginning with honesty. And sometimes that's the first step toward healing. Yeah. You cautioned your readers, sometimes we must remind our feelings what we know to be true. What does this mean and why is it important to speak truth to ourselves? It's important because feelings are neither right nor wrong. They're just how you feel. They right. simply are. Yeah. But they, they're not always, they can be true but not accurate. It's how you feel, but it's not accurate to this situation. 
And the heart is deceitful above all else. And if we're not careful, we believe our feelings about the truth and the facts of what is happening. So just because you feel something does not mean you're, it, it doesn't mean you're not allowed to feel that way. You are. But you may be telling yourself things that are not actually true. And you may be following your emotions down a path that are, is filled with things that are not true. And so it's important to remind ourselves what is actually going on here and to take a step back and be reminded of truth. Uh, in your book, you cover times of longing, becoming, which you spoke of before, and awakening. Are these three essential stages to fruitful waiting? I believe that they are um, not necessarily essential. I just think that it's a pattern that has shown up, you know, everything from, um, as you mentioned, the longing, which is that first moment when we're separated from what we want, and then the becoming, which is the actual waiting, and then the awakening, which is the time at the end where we get what we were waiting for or learn something new and discover if the answer is no, we, we have this awakening of who we are and who God is on the other side of this journey. Um, and as I broke this down with my husband in the car, it just, um, I, I really, yeah, I feel like it's almost anything, whether you're waiting for the coffee to brew in the morning. You know, I wake up with a sense of longing for my morning cup of coffee, and then I need to wait for the becoming of, for the, the beans to, to burn into the, or to brew into this coffee, and then the moment of awakening where I get to finally have my first cup. And that breaks down into really everything, whether it is, you know, longing for a child and waiting for the becoming of a pregnancy and a baby, um, an awakening of, of discovering what my life will be either with a child or now I'm going to discover what it will be like without one. Um, so I do think that really it's important to identify those three stages because then you can also identify where you are in the process of what you're waiting for. Yeah, what one lesson or message do you hope will resonate most with your readers? That waiting can be a good thing. That we can get good at waiting, and when we learn to stretch that muscle and we become better at waiting, um, we can become stronger people. And that um, the Lord is in the waiting, and it's one of his favorite tools to get our attention, and he, he meets us in the wait. Yes, I liked when you said, be brave to walk in the dark, because God will bring the sunshine again. Yes. That was so good. Would you, Tricia, please give us your website where our readers could get your book and other resources? Certainly. My website is com. Okay. And are there any last-minute thoughts you would like to share with us? I would encourage your, your listeners today to to lean into the wait and to embrace the moment and see what there is in this as they're waiting through the becoming and le- learning to, um, to just slow down, to just slow down and to embrace the wait. Even though it's hard, it's, it's where the goodness is. And what would you say is the best strategy for waiting? I believe that scripture is the best strategy for waiting. Uh-huh. It, it works well in the little moments when we can, you know, waiting in line at the, at the 
post office or we were waiting at the pediatrician's office or waiting in a traffic light or something. To be able to recall scripture and to be able to memorize it and to be able to practice those things in the small moments and let the time pass. And then scripture is a friend that comes back to you when you need it. And in, in harder seasons of waiting, those same things can emerge and remind us of truth again. And would you just briefly share what you consider ridiculous waiting? You touch upon that. <laughs> yes. Yes, ridiculous waiting. Um, I wrote about being in the DMV and needing to get a new driver's license and how frustrating that wait can be because it just seems so fruitless. Yeah. It just seems so silly and unnecessary. But as I mentioned, that um, patience is a muscle and waiting is something that we can stretch and something we can become good at. And when we become good, even if ridiculous waiting, we can become better at the real waiting of life. Right. You might have touched upon this before, but just as a reminder, what are some things you can do while waiting that would be so good? Um, a couple of the things I, I, I um, would recommend things like noticing like lifting your eyes up from what you're waiting for. One of right. my sons told me that he stopped looking at the clock in his biology class, and that really made all the difference in making class go so much faster. And I thought, goodness, there's so many parallels there. Uh, when we stop thinking about what we're waiting for and pay attention to other things, time really does go faster. And um, But I also would say um, memorizing scripture, writing down what you're waiting for, and being really um, active with your thoughts, be very in charge of the things that you're thinking about, and, and watch what you're telling yourself, because in moments when we feel impatient, we can find ourselves saying things like, I can't do this, or this is too hard, or there's nothing good in this, or I have to stick with this stupid job and my stupid life, and we can say things that are really, really negative, when really we could turn those around if we hold those thoughts captive. Right. You know what? This is hard, but I can do it. Yes, and as you are a reminder also of what you talked about earlier about reaching outside of yourself, you can serve, right? Help someone, pray for someone, <laughs> be the gift for someone. I like that. Yes. Be the gift for someone. I'm going to just, um, before we leave, let our listeners hear to some. Here's Psalm 62, 5 through 8 verses that you shared with us. Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken, my victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. Amen. Thank Amen. you so much for that, Tricia, and for your wonderful book, Just You Wait. And until you write another great one, I will just say goodbye and God bless for now. All right, Sandy. Thank you so much, and God bless you as well. Okay. Bye now. Goodbye. 
Let's Talk About Marriage, sponsored by Love Savers Ministry. This is Sandy Fox, ministering the blessings of covenant. Even in an age when half of marriages end in divorce, young people are still hopeful about their own marriages lasting. According to a recent survey, 86% of people single and married aged 18 to 29 expected their marriages to last a lifetime. Don't permit the possibility of divorce to enter your thinking. Even in moments of great conflict and discouragement, divorce is no solution and merely substitutes a new set of miseries for the ones left behind. Guard your relationship as though you were defending your very lives. Yes, you can make it together. You can keep love alive if you work at it. It's well worth the effort. We pray for marriages in crisis. Call Love Savers at 917-804-5034. That's 917-804-5034. And remember, love never fails. Wait on God. Wait on God. Just wait on the love. Wait on God. Change your